many are you breeding, John? Uh, I, this is the episode where John gets divorced. Do you have more pictures of your goats than yourself on your phone? Does your vacation time get spent attending goat shows? Can you have a conversation without bringing up dairy goats? Neither can we. So join us as we talk to the country's best breeders, judges, appraisers, and industry experts about all things dairy goats. We are John Kane and Danielle Caroli. Welcome to Ringside, an American Dairy Goat podcast. What's up, everyone, and welcome to Ringside. I'm John, and she didn't get lost in the sauce this week, folks. Danielle Caroli is here. What's up? How are you? I'm doing amazing. How are you? I am good. Oh, that's good. A little bit hesitant, but, you know, I'll take it. <laughs> I was just assessing the whole, my life, contemplating yeah. my life choices, all of those fun things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you might take less fares next year. It's not so much the less fares. It's just the lead up to our fair and then the go judge another show there may or may not have been a trip to salem massachusetts the one day i wasn't working or judging and then it was a go there and turn back get there or turn back come home you know come home do chores get up early to judge another goat show spiral so there were some life choices but at the same time you know sometimes you just do it salem massachusetts uh well known for the salem witch trials were you trying to find some long-lost family members no um (laughs) i was going up there because there was a giant vintage flea market and so a few of us, my cousins and I, one of my cousins and I drove up and we met the other cousin there. So as soon as you turn 30, you turn into a grandma. Hey, you guys want to hit up the antique yard sale? No, we didn't go antiquing. We went vintage shopping, which I will have you know, according to <laughs> the. <laughs> yes. <laughs> according to. <laughs> The New York Times, vintage shopping is a young millennial and generation Gen Z thing. So I still fit it. Do you think that young millennials and Gen Z are looking that up in that article from the New York Times? Listen, the New York Times was was writing about it. That's all I'm saying. I'm saying that I think uh, New York Times is kind of like an older audience. Well, when you got to play your Wordle, sometimes you click on the articles too. (laughs) Touche, (laughs) touche. Well, everything's quiet here, Danielle. We're gearing up for our topic today, which is breeding season. And we're just kind of on cruise control. I feel like I say that on 50% of our episodes, but really that's what we are. Uh, I was going to sneak out to a show out in western new york but i decided probably be better off for not only me but my marriage if i spent the weekend camping instead for that weekend so we're planning a little camping trip are you taking the rv or are you tent camping we're taking the rv hello all right i just didn't know if you were doing like my kind of camping which involves a camper or if you were doing tent camping and insanity no no, we it's it's so unpredictable here in New York right now. Right now, it's like no bra weather, right? It's hot. Oh, so I don't think that I need I need to be sweating it up in a uh, tent. No, and also, why bother when you have a camper to yeah. do that and suffer? So yeah, I'll glamp. I'll glamp all day long. You know? Exactly. Yeah. Well, that's so, fun. Yeah. It is fun. What's what's going on with you? So I am, I don't know what the right word is, a proud 
cat owner, I guess, might be. Cat lady, old, dirty, yep. <laughs> Theme of the episode, apparently. Um, thanks, John. Thanks You're so welcome. much. But no, so one of my cats caught, he he's caught some birds in the past, but he caught his first baby rat today. And oh man, graduation ceremony was today. Cool. It was just like this is, it was just such a wonderful moment to see him with the little baby rat. I'm just happy doing his job, doing his job. Yeah, exactly. Now, which one was it? Was it the feral one or was it the nice one? My cat Sparrow is the only one allowed out right now, and okay. He's the one who's caught the birds, and now he's caught the baby rat, too. So Gus, the other one, is a very much an office cat. I don't even know. What, I'm going to get him neutered, and then he's going to be allowed out. And I don't even know if he's really going to want to go outside the office and tack room area. He's kind of content, I think, is the best way to put it so um, but listen if if he keeps my tack room and my office rodent free i am fine with that it's weird how this cat lady syndrome has kind of rubbed off off on us all first it started with ashley clark who was the supplier of the uh cats yes. i guess the feline supplier i was gonna try to like make it like funny but she's the supplier and you were the first victim, and it seems like uh, us canes might be the second victim here. So, oh shoot! I, I, yeah. I, I'm surprised Tyranny didn't kill you. I'm surprised actually that we we were able to record today. Well, she she was like, "We are not going to Maryland to pick up a cat." That is a terrible <laughs> voice for my wife. Yeah, I think you need to edit <laughs> that listens. out. No, I'm going to keep it in. But it was more oh, like... You really have extra bonus points with this camping vacation to spare right now. I know. Well, I'm burning up the ticket right now. I was just uh, going to say. She's... she's she, I'm sorry. I'm not going to edit it, but she was like, John, the love of my life. <laughs> oh, spark- I don't have my boots on. Don't start with that. <laughs> anyway, she was like, we're not going to Maryland for a cat or two cats. We're not doing it. I was like, all right. So then I was like, oh, hey, Ashley, like, you planning on making any trips up the Northeast? And she's like, actually, yeah. So. Oh, my God. Not only is Tyranny going to be mad at you, but now you're going to have Ashley mad at you, too. Oh, well, I could have done, like, her gremlin voice. Like, yeah, we're going we're, we're supplying. Jesus. <laughs> so, yeah, so I'll be a cat bro. You'll be a cat lady or already are. So, yes. it's great. I know it's a good thing I ju- I have my two because otherwise I would have grabbed another kitten because oh that gray kitten is just the cutest very cute very cute unfortunately so, so that's all right it'll get got by something like the guineas oh stop uh, <laughs> horrible uh, so everything else is good Danielle you got you guys are beating the heat this week as well yes we are uh, well. And we are seeing heats, too. We have at least four of my does. No, perhaps, sorry, five of my does. My milkers have been in heat already. They There probably were some more that were in heat while I was away. And I haven't quite started taking my buck out to do heat detections. I have seen does in heat. So the heat is here, both temperature-wise and cycling wise i gotta say real quick heats have also been hitting my herd and yesterday and today my guernsey cross was in heat and man you could like chalk her right up with the worst of the nigerians as far as noise and trying to find those boys she was just running everywhere trying to find them and luckily she doesn't quite know where the bucks are so she couldn't really go anywhere but she she went for a little jaunt Nice. Mm-hmm. It's great. So not only does she look like a Nigerian with that gold color, but she acts like one. So that's great. <laughs> and you will not be breeding her this year. Nope. And so you have a full season of Screaming Goat. It'll be wonderful. 
Mm-hmm. All right. So when should I not talk to you? Every 21 days, start like roughly. So, yeah, okay. I'll I'll mark it down. And she just might show up in your barn. Keep that sign in company. Yeah, that's fine. She'll figure it out. <laughs> Great. <laughs> I guess we should move on to some ad news, eh? Sure. What's going on? Well, folks, uh, not too much going on. I have one bit of news and then just a little bit of commentary here. Uh, but the first bit of news is something that I wish happened in Syracuse. And that was at the Tulsa Convention, there's going to be a Beers and Buck event or Beers and Bucks event. And what it is is basically at a set time and place, conveniently next to the hotel bar, they are going to be uh, offering a time slot for everybody to bring their tanks over, exchange their bucks, and down some beers. And margaritas, I heard, too, Danielle. So maybe you might want to go to Tulsa. Uh, I know. It sounds like a fun event. I think it's just amazing and i can't wait to see the pictures of the tanks and the pints the drinks being poured and just the fun camaraderie that's going to happen with those frozen bucks and cold brews and i might say something a little controversial here but when i was looking at that programming for convention this year not saying that Syracuse was a bad convention. It was great. We had a wonderful time. The programming was wonderful. But boy, does that programming just look fun. Like, maybe it's just because I'm like, man, I want to do it again. So that's why I'm thinking of it like that. But it looks like it's going to be a solid convention for everybody to attend. Nice. Here's my uh, second, maybe, controversial thing I'm about to say. Oh, boy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, it's a question that I haven't asked in a while. And... Most likely because I've sold out of them. But I still have a 50-50, so I'm half in, you know? But where are the ADGA registrations for Guernseys? When is ADGA going to be able to register these dang Guernseys for everybody? Something that's been a lot of years, probably 11 or 12 years in the making now. Like, where, where are we with that? Where are we with, you know, NG updates? Like, we haven't heard anything, and I haven't been really scraping the surface with it because I know there's a lot of work being done behind the scenes by the EC and the office and everybody involved. But dang it, man. Just give us an update. Just let us hear something. And I know it's probably we haven't gotten an update because people aren't going to like what they have to say, and there's going to be a lot of groaning and moaning and blah. But where is it? Like, come on. Let's all be adults. Let's update the membership. Let's hear where you're at. That's all. Status update. Okay. I get I get that. I could I I get it. I think there's probably a lot and I do think there as update is merited. And I feel like there's a lot happening behind the scenes that oh, absolutely that is not being highlighted, I guess would be the right word and potentially celebrated because of the fact that there's been grumblings and frustration before which is understandable but i i do think there's got to be some progress being made and sometimes you know that update will be good but who also knows if it's gonna we're gonna get an update closer to convention if when year-end reports are due or where the focus is right now i think there's good things happening so we'll see there's absolutely good things happening but i think that waiting until october every year to give an update on something is a little bit silly like we need to start treating this like a business and if the directors don't have an answer that means that our representatives aren't being told of anything and that's bad like and that includes everything as far as like financials and stuff like that. We need to stop waiting until October. And then all of a sudden we're hitting the panic button for four months telling everybody what's going on. And then we go radio silent again. It just it just needs to stop. I'm not asking to be told every single detail here. I trust my directors are asking the tough questions. But a little, a little piece of cake every once in a while keep us ha- happy and fat. <laughs> Danielle, besides that, everything else is gravy. And this week we're talking about 
breeding season and since we're in new york and it's sweltering hot and we're being choked by the scent of bucks and it's just terrible and gross let's talk about planning your death breeding season <laughs> five months in advance yeah yeah yeah, or, yeah, yeah. you know yeah. five months and two weeks in advance yeah let's start right off breeding season folks if you didn't understand through uh that thick new york accent uh <laughs> danielle i'm gonna ask you a tough question you don't have to answer it but i'm gonna ask it to you anyway okay how many are you breeding this year and how are you deciding what buck to use oh those are actually a very easy questions for me well that's good because last week with tyler on here he refused to even say how many age does he had it was a little bit frustrating tyler <laughs> poor tyler he was a trooper and i don't think you should be giving him a hard time whatsoever um I mean, if you listen to the intro of the podcast and you'll know that i was the one on the receiving end of the meanness and yeah i don't believe that for very long <laughs> But back to the question. So how many am I breeding? I am going to breed 12 max. And I am going to be breeding most of my does to my younger buck, who is a complete, well, no, that's not, he's not a complete outcross. I shouldn't say that. But he is more distantly related to most of my animals than my older buck. But I will be using my older buck on a few does as well. Though when I was making my breeding list and putting the animals on and who I was breeding him to. Even though he has not given me a single daughter to keep. There's only been one daughter born on my farm. He has other daughters and other herds. But even though this buck has not given me a single daughter to keep, who I can use him on is actually getting more limited as my herd grows and ages and different factors come into play. So he's going to get used limit limitedly this year and then Hopefully I'll get a daughter or two from that limited use. And then we're going to AI a few does as well. How am I deciding? Some of it is the easy line breeding. How closely are they related for some of these animals based on the does and bucks I have available here? I have a doe who, and we'll talk a little bit more about it, but I in a little bit later in this episode, but I would really like a full sister to this doe and she was conceived via AI and I have more straws in the tank, but her dam has been dry for two years and needs to get milking and needs to freshen. And so as much as I would love to AI her and get a full sister, I think I'm going to be doing a live breeding on her for kind of more of a guarantee. However, I have the dam's half-sister, and I think I'm going to try and AI the half-sister to the buck and see what I can get from that to be as close as I can this year or two uh, two-year-old doe that I have that I really like without repeating the breeding completely. So, um, and then just realizing that I have a lot of semen in my tank and I need to start using it because it's doing me no good. So pushing myself with AIing and maybe using some semen that I might've been scared to use in the past, a little hesitant because if I don't use it, it's not going to do me any good sitting there so i might as well try and see what happens yes so that's my answer are you impressed that i was able to like answer that fully uh yes and no i mean you do have notes in front of you so i figured you'd be able to kind of think about it beforehand but yes that you were like super like yes i'm breeding 12 that's big more uh, up to 12 i i will see if we're oh. 12 is my max 
Uh, gotcha. So 15. Got it. No, no, no. Because I ha- my milk stand can only accommodate six. I am not going past two rounds of milk. Oh, 18. Oh, you don't want to go past two rounds. Okay. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah so. How many are you breeding, John? Uh, I, this is the episode where John gets divorced. I am breeding six. What? Goats this year. Yeah. Six. It's not set in stone until she's bred. But as per last week, when we were discussing the old girls and it was a very much me episode, right? It's all about me. Yeah, I've decided to breed Gem. Granted, you know, with no obstacles, tyranny in the way. So, Wait, yeah. We're hold on, do... hold on. Okay. Is this like the cat thing? Is this like she's going to No. Okay, you've run this by her prior We've to this airing? This a couple times. And she's okay. leaning towards yes, because she likes the idea of mo money, mo problems. And, you know, we could dry her off after she kids and we can, if, you know, she gives us twin does or whatever, then we can sell one of them or both of them or whatever. Uh, so she, she's fine kind of with it. Okay. Um, I, I think that we bred seven last year, so breeding six is no big deal. Plus having six, maybe we could do like another bet this year and it will even go crazier than a t-shirt. Who knows? You know, okay. loser gets a tattoo. But <laughs> yeah, so, okay. so five definitely, six maybe, and we're using our Buck Ozzy heavily this year. And usually, I don't throw a buck on everybody. I'll kind of spread out the love here and there. But we didn't get any daughters last year from them, and every doe is pretty much an outcross, or you know, eight percent or whatever. So it's not like a huge line breeding that you have to worry about. It's going to, you know, you're going to get a lot of outcross fun stuff. But more importantly, this is our last year using him. He's going to go back to his breeder uh, this spring or summer. And with that, you know, I really, I didn't get any daughters last year. I want to kind of utilize those genetics that I've been feeding on my farm for two years by the time he leaves. Uh, so we're using him heavy. I will be using Voss on Gem if we breed her. And I mean, I can go around on my thinking on that, but or I can save it. So up to you. Let's just save it for now. I'm sure we'll bring it up somewhere. Okay. All right. Breeding season is here. How uh-huh. are you getting those does bred? I am doing the uh, old school uh, hold a collar and let the buck do his thing. Is that what you mean? Well, yes. Definitely <laughs> a one way to do it and works very well most of the time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we, we, you know, let the buck jump the doe once and let him go. Yes. We're, we're not doing any AI fun this year or anything like that. It's just kind of doe comes in heat, grab the buck as soon as possible because we like to breed them early, as early as possible in their heat. As soon as they start... Standing for a buck, we want them to get bred. That makes sense. I get you. What about you? What are you doing? You're you're way more scientific with your dealings this year than I am. I'm literally just like, mm, I'm not AIing anybody. So nothing special here. What about you? Well, so I don't even think it has to do with my AIing. It is more that in the past couple of years, we've run into some issues getting does bred and there's various reasons i know i've talked about them kind of multiple times on the podcast about why some animals didn't get bred or false pregnancies we had but i have two really stellar does that need to be in milk and then i have three does who took a year off They're in milk now, but they had singles this year. With that single production or that single birth, their production just wasn't what it should have been because biologically there wasn't the cotyledon and that placental attachment to stimulate such an extreme milk production that you would get for twins, triplets, and those kind of things. So... With the two does that 
I really need to get bread and some of my chunkier doughs, I am going to be using a cedar PG 600 estromate, which estromate is a luteinizing lacing hormone, but it's, I don't necessarily know if it's a brand name, but it's slightly different than lute, but does the same exact thing. My vet just for whatever reason prefers estromate. So that is what we use. And I think I've talked about that a little bit, but anyway, so we're going to be using that protocol on some, it is to kind of ensure that their heat cycles are about as quote unquote normal or textbook as possible and that everything's kind of working right and functioning and eggs are getting released at the right time and the uterine lining is the right consistency or thickness, I guess is the better word for it. But then some of them too, I'm utilizing that PG-600 not to hopefully have litters of kids, but I'm hoping that that'll allow some of these does to have more than just singles and working with the ideas of that, that would give them a little bit more milk production because they're a little chunky. So (laughs) we're going to see if that'll work. So some of them are going to be using like a cedar hormone protocol to make sure to hopefully get them in the right condition and in the right um, kind of direction in the terms of kids, because when they are chunky, I guess would be the best way to put it is they tend to not necessarily ovulate as heavily as well, or there's issues in fertility in terms of just the egg release, the attachments, all of those things. And so they kind of don't necessarily have as many kids. So I'm hoping to kind of help them along with that and get that all taken care of. So are you going to, so you're basically going to flush them? I don't necessarily, I'm, Yes, I'm flushing them, but not, we're still, the problem at our farm is that my does are still in milk and we milk test them and I expect them to kind of keep milking and keep chugging along. And so I can't really flush flush because a traditional flush would be taking away grain and adding grain. I mean, maybe I can play with minerals a little bit and remove their minimal, remove their minerals and bring them back, but I'm not going to mess with grain too much because I ultimately don't want their production to be affected, especially when we're dealing with this hot weather and kind of crazy weather ups and downs. So I'm going to do some of the flushing with a little bit of assistance, but I don't even know if I would call it flushing. I would just say that I'm shooting for just an ovulation of twins or triplets. So I'm going to ask the question that I know a lot of uh, newer breeders are going to ask us on this post if I don't ask us. And that is what is flushing besides the toilet? (laughs) Flushing is where you, I guess the best way to describe it would be that you, I don't want to say starve an animal because that's not the right idea, but the idea behind it is that you have an animal who all of a sudden is not getting a lot of resource resources and then gets a surge of resources in terms of food. And so the idea is that that animal thinks this is going to be a really good year. I'm going to have a great storage of food to get me through winter, I can afford to have multiple babies this year because I'm going to have all this food and these nutrients to get me through. And so I can have two babies because I'll I'll be able to take care of them. Yes, exactly. And supply them with food versus if I didn't have this, I maybe would only want to have a single. So to do that, some people will cut grain and then push grain right before their doughs are going to get bred or they'll use minerals. They'll pull the minerals and then push minerals right beforehand, change haze. There's all different kinds of ways to do it, but it basically involves minimizing the food and then pushing the food. And how long before you breed them or in cycle do you do this? Is it a couple of days, a couple of weeks, a couple of months? What do you usually do? 
I've never had to flush my does. Besides last year, I've never had a problem with like a lot of singles or having a hard time getting does bred. Uh, so this year, what I've done is I switched up my mineral game because I was having mineral issues anyway. I was having deficiencies. And so they're on their new mineral now, uh, Duraferm, and uh, they're on like half a scoop of grain uh, for everyone to share. And that's just to go in and out of the barn, right? So they're on very minimal feed. And then once I know they're about to cycle, I've got just about everybody on my calendar of when they're cycling right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, once I know they're about to cycle, I'll really start pushing grain on them. Yeah, I think for the most part, a lot of people suggest actually two weeks before. Really? Yeah. Okay. Um, sometimes, easy. though, it's even three to four weeks before. But there's, huh. yeah, and I mean, I just pulled yeah, up a well, study. This different is, than cows. This is, uh, there's a Washington State article that um, we can actually, we'll share it this week um, about flushing with sheep and also goats. And so would be helpful. But they say typically two weeks and then some people, some literature pertaining to does specifically says three to four weeks. But I think I've always kind of figured two weeks beforehand because of the way, I mean, you need that follicular development. And when that follicular development is going to go is kind of closer to that two week is when that first egg, like the eggs are going to decide, hey, it might be our time and start growing. So you want those, you probably want to stimulate that as that follicle is developing or the follicles, because that's your ideal are developing. Okay. Well, I'm going to do that then. If you say it, Danielle, I'm going to do that because I cannot lose another bet. I was thinking about using PG 600 on my dose this year and it kind of scares just me. Just for the never... bet? No, just to get <laughs> more dough, you know, but I figure if I just flush them, they'll be fine. Um, we've tackled a lot of issues that we were having last year for this year. So hopefully we're good. I saw the results of using Duraferm on your herd. So I'm mm-hmm. like, dude, I got I got to try it. So we've got it. We're using it. Um, how many weeks were you using it before you saw some results? Um, I'm trying to think of when we moved my does down. It was probably, well, so I started using it middle of April. And okay. then shaved my does for a show for memorial day and by that time i was seeing the difference okay yeah so like three four weeks yes let's let's move on with this topic of breeding and with that everybody's favorite thing to do is figure out when they actually want their does to kid so danielle what's life got in store for you this year do you think So I think because at least for us, and I feel like for most dairy goat breeders, we do control when these animals get bred a little bit more than some other livestock, especially if they're more of a less minimal management herds. But I am looking at my real life timeline and trying to figure out what is going to work best for myself with my job, which we will have a push probably in April. It'll be, we'll be gearing up in April, if not March. And I think writing on the wall, I'm going to have more downtime in February this year versus March and April. So I'm actually going to try and kid out a little earlier than we normally do and have some February babies just so that this way I can get past my two weeks, um, of intense, more or less round the clock feeding with some of these kids and just kind of 
get to the point where I'm only feeding three times a day, which is much more manageable and much more doable for when work gets a little busy. So considering that when I'm breeding this year, we are going to adjust for that. I also am looking at my animals and whether it's the weather or whether it's the stage of the lactation, they always look really good in this August timeframe. It's also probably the hay we have, but just different things like that. And so if if it is a little bit of the lactation that they're not necessarily putting as many resources into their milk production and they're starting to put it back into their bodies, I'm kind of hoping that'll happen a little earlier this year. And so they may gain a little bit more weight back around that national time period for them to look their best for that. So real life is hopefully working well with nationals plans too. I mean, I will probably milk them three times a day, all of those fun things leading up to it, but I want growthy kids I can take to nationals. I want does in a good spot in their lactation and I need my goats to allow me to work so I can pay to feed them. So we're going to try that. You don't have to milk three times a day this year because there's no milk out. So you can just bag them up for four days. Yeah. I'm not going to even, we're not even having a conversation. (laughs) No. Yeah. No. No, that's smart. That's smart. It's all smart. I I think that um, doing it as early as possible without being like December, November, like I feel like that's just way too far before nationals. But I feel like February, March, like that's good. You know, later for maybe some younger animals is fine too. Uh, We're approaching it with nationals in mind, but not like 100% concrete. But we plan on hitting out one doe for February and we're talking like late February and then everybody else, hopefully in March. Um, I don't care to have any April or May kids. I just don't want to do it. So uh, that's what we're doing. So we'll have one most likely gem um, to kid in, in February, maybe not gem because we want to dry her off. So it might have to be whisper or somebody, but so we'll have one that kids that we know produces well enough to feed that kid and doesn't need help from another herd mate. And then everybody else in March, ideally I'm knocking on wood because as we all remember last year, Mary Mac decided to, she wanted to be rebred four or five times. So we're looking forward to not that not happening again this year. I'm speaking it into the Stradivers. Okay. Do you think it'll work? Sure. (laughs) Yeah, no, but I, and I do think I do want to kind of touch on too, Um, In terms of this timeline, for me, it's also changed because my barn setup's a little different and I can, I have a heated room. So if I am in February and it's really cold, I can keep kids inside, but not at my house. So not stressing the resources there and keep them they're not going there. They'll still be warm. And so February will be a little easier. I also, because I'm not on the farm, I always worry that sometimes if the weather's bad, am I going to be able to get there in time? But now I can camp out there and I don't have to worry about it. So the other factors that pushed me to have more March and April babies are changing or have changed for me too. So my barn setup is much more conducive to allowing for earlier kidding as well. So it's just other things that you have to take into consideration. Are you going to be able to kid out in poor weather or are you going to be able to kid out in the cold and keep the animals healthy? Or do you need to worry about school or, or I don't know all the fun things that work. Like one of the, one of the reasons we kid out in March is because March, the first or second week is when work dies down for me, depending on playoffs, but I still breed them without playoffs being in mind. Cause usually it's just a weekend anyway, but um, yeah, we, 
are the biggest part of why I kid out in March. Not only because I like March kids, but also because just work allows me to kid out then. We did one in February last year, and it wasn't too bad. So I'm not really stressed about one. But if I did them all, I would be dragging and probably get fired for sleeping on the job. Probably. I like my naps. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, you got the timeline in place. We got the foresight as far as who's getting bred to what. But are you also putting in the foresight and thinking on like which doe you'd ideally or does you'd ideally want to go first? Is it your heavier producers that you know you won't have to worry about purchasing whole milk or something to, to kind of supplement them? Or are you just kind of like, hey, whoever's going to come in heat first, you're good to go. Green light, Roger. So we're going to do a combination this year of concerns. I definitely want to focus on my problem children first and make mm-hmm. sure they get bred. And so I think what I'm doing and it may change slightly based on kind of I, my do- on that natural synchronization that happened anyway. I think we're going to try and do two weeks of kidding and I'm going to have six in one week, six in the other and have it one week and then another. And my problem children are going to be in the first week along with my AI, my AIs, so that this way, if I run into issues, if my AIs don't take, if I need to be a little bit more aggressive with my problem children, which hopefully if I need to kind of figure that out, that at least doesn't put them a whole month behind my first batch of kids. It'll only be three weeks behind. And so that is going to be who makes up that first six roughly. And then my next six will be the others. I, with my herd, I'm usually pretty good. First of all, there's usually enough animals kidding around the same time that I never really have to worry about a doe not producing enough and there's going to be somebody filling in. But for the most part, as soon as I have does producing milk, I have extra milk. So I never really have to worry about that, but I also have no problem mixing and doing a little bit of whole milk until I have somebody else come on and kind of fix the ratio. I mean, I had one year where I had a first freshening doe who took care of her kids and two preemie kids and three C-section kids. And that was pretty much all her. So milk for me and my herd, I know my animals, I know how I feed milk. That's never really the problem. That's never really the concern for me. But this year, the biggest concern is just getting does to kid that haven't in the past couple of years. Those chunky monkey slackers. Yeah. And they're actually, well, the Nubian's chunky. I will give you that. The Nubian could shed a few pounds, but my recorded mm-hmm. grade, she's large, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. she's not. She's not chunky. Oh, either am I. Moving on. Uh. No, but then others. Th- I mean, did you talk about it? What your? I don't think you did. About what my my does and what I'm planning to do. Yeah, I sure did. Oh, you did. Okay. Thank you for listening. Oh, you're welcome. Out. I'll listen. You know what? I'm just waiting to listen again. When I listen to this episode playback. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh Okay. Well, first of all, are you doing any yearling first fresheners this year? I don't think so. Only because I want my kids that are, I only have, no, I'm not doing, let me be a little bit more (laughs) concrete in that answer. I am not doing first fresheners and here is why. Okay. I have six kids that I am keeping right now. Two of those kids are May babies. They're not getting bred. So they're out. So you got they're four out. left. A four left. One of them is a Sonnen and, or one of them is the Sonnen, I should say. And <laughs> she, I have been advised that genetically she needs that extra year 
to grow. She's going to be a big animal. She needs to devote the resources to her body and not to babies. So she's out. So I have three doe kids that could be good. And they're, they're good. They're growing well. I actually want to get my scale out and weigh them. I just haven't had time yet to get an actual weight. I want some cool dry yearlings to show. And I you want can breed one and still have some. I mean, there's still well, two left. But right here's there. the thing. So I only have the three. I want the dry yearlings to show. I also previously mentioned that number 12 and making sure I don't go past that number 12. And if I don't breed them, it's very easy for me to keep kind of what I'm doing and freshen 12 and not make any really tough calls of who's getting bread, who's not getting bread. So they can kind of sit, they can look pretty. I can have some dry yearlings to show and I don't have to make any tough decisions. So Mm -hmm. that is what I'm doing. Plus I have two, like for me, because I had the two does dry, I also have two dry yearlings that need to be bred. So I have four quote unquote, new does that are coming onto my line. It's a little different for me because of my problem children, but we'll see kind of what it all looks like and how it all plays out. Yeah. We'll just have the two first fresheners this year. Okay. I mean, listen, that's totally understandable. I am in the same boat as you. I too purchased a doe kid this year and I too have been advised by the council that those lines do need an extra year. They need to be bred. You are going to have nobody talking to you after this episode. I just, I'm all about voices tonight. I don't know. It's nothing against anybody. I love you, Tyranny. I love you, Tyler. I love you, Grace, whoever, Kurt, whoever. I don't know who I've made fun of. Anyway, probably cut that out. No, I won't. So, so I've got that kid, and then I've got a 50-50 Guernsey kid who we all know is really tiny and frail and just not, you know, she's, she needs time to grow. <laughs> she's kind of large. But she's but, also a Guernsey, and she doesn't necessarily need to be bred. Right. She's going to be a fun dry yearling to show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. She's, well, she looks all Guernsey. That's gr- the best part about her. Um, she's she's cool looking, but she's got that Obi attitude except for when she's in heat but yeah she's she's gonna be just guernseys are a smaller breed yes she's bigger than my other doe that i purchased this year or my one doe that i purchased this year and uh yeah so so those two are gonna be left dry so then i've got three dry yearlings that are going to be bred and hopefully uh i've got triple does out of all of them knocking on wood because i just jinxed it and it'll be great. So I don't need a milking yearling. I'll have a dry yearling Oberhasley and dry yearling recorded grade to show at shows, maybe nationals, who knows. So kind of on this topic, though, as we were putting this together, I started thinking about it. I almost started thinking, should there be more strategy involved in this timeline? But obviously, we're getting into kind of perfect world stuff. But right. When you're building this timeline for breeding, especially when you're considering it like I am and that some of these does are going to be synced if my whole herd isn't going to be synced using hormones and cedars. Um, But I think, so like I said, I think it's going to be, some of them are going to be synced using hormones and then some of them are just going to be like, oh, you are all coming into heat naturally around this time. So you're going to be group B. But with that and deciding one of the things I think about is come kidding time and you have this onslaught of kids and the onslaught of work that is involved. And so should you be kidding out the does that you know you are going to sell the kids quickly from first? So should it be the first fresheners who you know they're buck kids are going to go to your meat buyer just because you don't need to sell them as bucks or the market's not there or that this is your weather market because of whatever it is and your meat buyer will buy it will take all your kids every week so are you kidding out the does that will make your life easy first or you know is like is that a smart thing to do or to think about 
Um, or is it that you do your kidding in rounds so you know that the numbers of your kids on the farm at one time are going to be roughly this, and then your buyers are going to pick up their kids, and you're only going to have your five keeper doe kids instead of the 20 kids on the farm, and then you'll have round two of kidding, and and then you'll you're never going to max out your nursery space. Or do mm-hmm. you just say, I am going to have one week of insanity and have all my does kid at one time so that this way everybody is on the same schedule. I'll struggle and get everybody on the bar at one time, but then everybody is getting fed the same schedule and I'm not going back and weaning some down to three times a day, but I'm starting up again at four times a day with this round here and having to do that for another two weeks. And then these kids are on two times a day and these kids are on four. You know, like, is it easier to just rip the bandaid off and get it all done at once? I think it, it, it definitely depends on the herd, right? And you're talking about perfect world. So I'll say in a per- perfect world, if I was freshening 20, I think what I would do, and this is just me thinking about ease, is I would do a round of, I would split the first fresheners in half, and I would really split those yearling first fresheners to the end of, tail end of whatever kidding season I've got, just because I want to make sure they've got the most growth that they can possibly have throughout that whole process, especially if, like, we're talking obies who can tend to be a little bit smaller up until they hit that that two-year mark, right? Uh, so if it's me, I would split it up where I've got like the two-year-old first fresheners first mixed in with a bunch of regulars. And then at the end, I would finish it off with the worst of the worst, those yearling first fresheners that you never know what's going to happen. could be a surprise around every corner. That's what I would do. What I actually do is I just put my foot on the gas, get them bred. And if they're really close, like I always hope they are, Great. If they're spread out, terrible. I hate my life, but I'll deal with it. <laughs> yeah. No, I I have to say the when they kid close together and I do. So last year or this year, I had two groups kid. The timeline of when those two groups kidded was not ideal. I got my one group basically to one point. And I had to start all over again. I mean, my I had a March group and ultimately a late April, May group. So we were pretty much a month between them. Deja vu. Deja vu. That wasn't necessarily fun. Mm-hmm. But the number of animals and doing five or six at a time period and kidding those out and then doing that again was very manageable for me and it worked well. So I think I'm going to do that. But like I said, hopefully get it. So it's only two weeks, but most likely it'll probably be some because we're not in a perfect world, but hopefully the world will be pretty close to perfect, but it'll be a four week. No, sorry. It'll be week one. I'll have up to six week two. I'll have up to six then I will have a week off. I'll have stragglers in that first group and then maybe stragglers in my second group. So, but at the most, hopefully within five weeks, I'll be completely kitted out. Knock on wood. Now, after you get completely kitted out, say all 12 give you dough kids, how many are you keeping? Why do we ask questions like this? I just, you don't have a keeper thought in mind before you're even going into breeding season because I do. Oh, I'm not. No, no, no. I am not saying I do not have a keeper thought in mind. The problem mm-hmm. is if I were to actually keep my keepers, I would need to get rid of pretty much my whole herd to kind of stay at status quo. So we don't talk about those things. And we just okay. see how it goes. But no, I I know I want kids from several does. I know I need to keep kids from several does just to kind of continue the lines. I've had a few animals that 
just haven't been very good with daughters or I haven't kept daughters from because they were they had daughters when they were younger and haven't had a daughter recently or I had to sell a daughter because I was keeping these and when you start to look at that herd of mine and you start to go oh I want a daughter from this one and I need I should really keep a daughter from this one and if I keep a daughter from this one I can sell her then the herd duplicates triplicates very quickly so we don't talk about that part in my life and we just kind of figure out what happens when we kid Mm -hmm. because I do have an idea but then sometimes things don't necessarily work out and then things don't necessarily work out and so it kind of goes as it goes so there's listen my brain is working but it's just not the I'm not going to say the number out loud fair enough bro I mean fair enough how many are you keeping John I've pissed off Tierney enough this episode I ain't telling (laughs) we're going to keep more than one dough kid how about that well, that makes sense. So you're probably going to two or more. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Let's kind of lightning around this because we're getting a little bit long here. But we talked about flushing. We talked about minerals. Uh, let's talk about real quick what goes into your goats before breeding season. Are you worming them? Are you having the vet come out and assessing them? Are you checking the condition of the does, their feet? Are you CAE testing? What are you doing? Yes. So Okay. Oh. <laughs> oh, sorry. Did you want me to just like say yes and then we'll end up? <laughs> no, go ahead. Yeah. No, go ahead. So I do want to touch on this idea of doing a vet check for reproductive issues because I did it this year. And I'm hoping that so I had when I had my vet come out for health papers for fair. He checked the two does that were the problem children and he ultrasounded them to make sure everything looked okay. So that this way, at the start, we know that there is not something up reproductively that as far as he could see with that basic ultrasound evaluation, we were kind of status quo. Okay, that's good. I think if I wanted to take it a step further, there's probably blood tests I could do and different things. But at least I know that there is not an infection in that dough that can be seen from an ultrasound. There's not extra fluids. There's not anything like that, which um, was a potential issue with that or with my experimental, what was her uterine lining looking like? Because when she had her false pregnancy, her uterine lining was pretty thick. So we're just kind of doing that hopefully helped us out in that turn in that timeline. Did she look good? She looked good. I mean, my vet's ultrasound machine, not that it mattered because ultrasound machine, ultrasound pictures and I don't necessarily, you know, see eye to eye and it's, I'm not very good at seeing what they're seeing, but he actually was using one where it was just in his, um, eye glasses so i didn't get oh, to cool. see what he was seeing but he he's said got all the tools he's got all the tools but he was saying it was looking pretty good so um Sweet. we should be good there wasn't he didn't see much going on there so i think we should be good there are a few does that i know i should worm before they get bred just because when they're early in that pregnancy you don't necessarily want to use the wormers on them and so they will get a treatment right before I'm going to be treating them pretty much soon so that this way it's kind of taken care of before they get bred because that'll be coming up soon. I will be giving all of my does a shot and my bucks a shot of BOCI to just kind of make sure that their selenium is good because selenium always helps with with that reproductive track there and Yes. And I have a few does who I'm going to be taking to get bread. Plus I always just do it anyway, right around this time. So this way it's done before we kid. And that is, I'm going to do my CAE testing so that this way for those that need it for stud service, it is done, but then also so that this way my annual testing is done now while it's kind of a more quiet time. I do the same thing minus the vet check. I haven't really felt the need to get my vet out to do that. And not that my vet's bad at it or anything, but 
I, just, I think if I had a real problem, I'd go to probably your vet, <laughs> to be yeah. honest. Um, but uh, as far as everything else, I check, try to check every two weeks, make sure everybody's good as far as uh, their eyelids for warm loads. Um, I also make sure when it be, you know, when they're in heat. Uh, last year, I was thinking about getting gem bread for early February. But she hadn't really bounced back after drying off. Drying off takes a lot out of that dough, man, because she just wants to pump it out. So it takes a long time to dry her off, and then she is just miserable. So I wanted her to bounce back, so I made sure she was in good condition for when I actually did breed her. Uh, I also check their feet, especially my one buck. His feet grow so fast that if you're not on top of him, like I swear he'll founder. But he hasn't surprisingly yet and i've been on top of them but um i make sure that his feet are good and, and my other buck as well uh, along with the does but that's just because you know you've got a big buck jumping up uh on those hind legs and you want to make sure his feet are good underneath them and same with the does uh cae testing i gotta pull blood on everyone and get that done for the year uh, but yeah that's that's what we do yeah on the same page as you uh, Final questions. We'll, we'll end it with this. What are you most excited about when looking at your breeding list? I am most excited about the possibilities of having a full show string again. Mm -hmm. Just to kind of round out the herd, I need those two does that are dry in milk They're, I mean, I kept them in my barn and I'm going to be working with them this year and kept them dry, like didn't get them bred for two years and they're still here. And I'm going to be actively trying to fit them back into my program. So they're powerful animals that I need and I want to have in my herd. And so the excitement of getting them back in is very I'm very much looking forward to that and then kind of allowing that to hopefully really create this uh, kind of just pull that my show string back together that's that's great and I'm kind of in the same boat as you this year is the first year where I'm breeding does and I'm pretty confident that I won't have any obvious coals Right, I'm excited to see more Vasca sutters, of course, uh, because I only have had a couple. Uh, so I'm excited about that, but I'm also excited to for the possibility that I'm actually going to have animals that freshen, that it's not like a 50-50 shot, right? And of course, I have three first fresheners, so you never know. But the most exciting thing about my breeding list this year is the fact that I should have a dairy herd for Dutchess County Fair this year, which is something that I've never had to had at the fair or next year, I should say, had at the fair because I've always called down so hard by the time we get to fair, I've only got a couple milkers left uh, because, we, you know, we keep things small and we're always trying to progress. And I've gotten to the point now where I feel pretty confident in the animals that I'm going to be breeding to the fact that, yeah, they're going to be around in August next year. And that's really exciting for me. Uh, I'm also hopefully excited uh, to get some daughters out of this buck that I've been feeding for two years. That is exciting. So, yeah, it's, it's going to be a great year. You know, I've got a doe that I bought this year that I, I'm really excited to see fresh. And it's just, there's a lot of excitement uh, and there should be excitement people when you're coming up with your breeding list and you start breeding does, uh, don't just go, Oh yuck. I got to touch the buck. And no, this is exciting. This is the magic point. This is where it all begins. And then you got to wait 150 days for that doe to freshen and see that work that you put into that breeding come to life. Literally. And then you go you hit the ground running from there. So this is the fun part. The anticipation is building, and then you wait 150 days. So good luck, everybody, for breeding season. I think that's a good way to cap it off here. Danielle, anything to add to that? No, I think that is a good spot to end. And, yeah, this is where the dreams are made. 
this is going to be a true testament to if you indeed listened to last week's episode. Danielle, if people wanted to find us on the internet, where can they find us? You can find us on Facebook by searching Ringside, an American Dairy Goat podcast. You can find us on Instagram. We do have a slightly different handle right now. I believe you updated it a bit while I was away. And so you can find us at, is it Ringside Podcast? Is that what I'm hearing? Yes. You can find us at Ringside Podcast on Instagram. On TikTok, we are Ringside Podcast as well. And as always, you can find us on our website, dairygoatpodcast.com. And you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And while you're there, be sure to leave us a rating and a review. We really appreciate it. Perfect. I'm so proud of you, Danielle. Thank you very much for joining me for another week of Ringside, an American Dairy Goat podcast. I'm John. And I'm Danielle. It's going to be fine. We'll catch you on the next one. Ringside, an American Dairy Goat podcast, is not an affiliate of the American Dairy Goat Association. All opinions or information regarding the ADGA does not represent the registry.